Welcome to Know Your Foe on Colts.com, an in-depth look at the upcoming matchup. Here are your hosts, Casey Vallier and former Colts wide receiver, Bill Brooks. Well, welcome in to Know Your Foe right here on Colts.com. I am your host, Casey Vallier, and I am joined, as always, by Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. The regular season is here. We can finally start talking about meaningful football and getting us up to speed on the week one opponent versus the Colts is the Houston Texans. We are joined by the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how are you? Thank you so much. And we've got meaningful football this Sunday. Well, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys and, uh, and a pleasure to be on with the most valuable, the most special Ring of Honor member in Colts history, Bill Brooks, because <laughs> I'm a Boston University alumnus, so I am very much a Bill Brooks fan, so this is very cool for me. Well, I think that's pretty cool. You guys kind of go back to your college days, I'm sure, for Bill and for you, Mark. This is a, you know, a crazy meeting here down the road. Yes, it is. Well, you know, it's fu- you know what's funny? Uh, I always say this about being in this business. It's the people you were a fan of before you got in the business that you kind of get sort of starstruck about or really impressed me. Like, to me, Bill Brooks, wow. You know, I've hung around with Andre Johnson and J.J. Watt here. And not that that's not special. It's very special. But you're in the business. You're employed. You know, at Boston University, I was just a student, and I looked up to Bill (laughs) playing on Nickerson Field's artificial surface and winning games and it was awesome to see him and and that terrier team operate which no longer exists by the way so it is a treat for me well one of the things i want to dive into you know you talk about the past so let's talk about right now what's going on with houston you got a new head coach this is the second year of this we saw the the david cully experience lasted one year and now a veteran lovey smith comes in what have you seen the major difference between you know the transition from david cully into lovey smith well, with Lovey Smith, you have a coach who has coached over a decade as a head coach in this league, and you know he's worked with some incredible players. I mean, think about when he was in Tampa Bay with Marvin Lewis and those teams, and uh, you know when when Marvin Lewis was there with Tony Dungy, and you know the whole crowd there was really impressive in the '90s. And then you know Lovey eventually gets the Bears job uh, in the O's, and and look what he does with them, and goes to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman at quarterback, and has some really great defenses. And you know I always say that it's just the offenses that never quite worked out the way they could right. for Lovey and Chicago. Chicago, but look at the wins. You know, he's got a winning record as a head coach. And, you know, it's funny because Gary Kubiak, when he was here, he left with a record that was sub 500, but eventually won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. Bill O'Brien actually had a bit of a winning record, but it wasn't going well at the end. Obviously, that's why he was dismissed. And now you have Lovey Smith here who knows how to get the job done. And I think the fact that he hasn't coached in a while as a head coach in the NFL is actually a plus. He's been in college, he's seen how things operate there. It's some of the influence that the college has college game has had on the NFL. And you, the same could be said in a way from a coordinator spot with Pep Hamilton, who was last an offensive coordinator in this league with the Colts, as you all know. Uh, but he says he's learned a ton over the years, you know, working in college, working in the XFL, even he cites that, uh, just putting the minds together that are on his staff and coming up with an offense that is going to be different than what he ran in Indy. There's some similarities for sure, but he's evolved. So I'm eager to see the whole thing, what this staff puts together now when you look at it from a fan's perspective what's the biggest difference you think you will see when you you know let's say texans fans are watching what they saw in 2021 here in 2022 what do you think the biggest difference you're going to see on the field is going to be 
Well, look, you're going to see an offense that is not the Patriot offense, okay? And I hate to call it that, but that's basically what this was, what they've been running under Bill O'Brien. And then after O'Brien left with Tim Kelly uh, pulling the switches. And I think that now it's going to be a little bit easier for the quarterback. Davis Mills has been very clear that the O-line kind of conducts business themselves. Justin Britt will make some calls at the line as far as the middle linebacker and all that and some of the blocking scheme stuff. Mills will handle the passing game elements of what needs to be checked off at the line, and they'll go from there. The quarterback-heavy element of that Patriots offense uh, is is palpable, you know, and it's tough for rookies. And I think it's a credit to, you know, Mac Jones and Davis Mills both last year that they were able to have pretty decent seasons. Mills, especially in the last five starts, statistically had a good season. You know, when you look at the rookie quarterback class from 2021, uh, Mills is right behind Mac Jones and a lot of these stats right. uh, that everyone likes to look at in the advanced analytics as well. Uh, so I think that they both did pretty well. But I think the simplification of this, and I, I hate to even use that word, but it'll be a little easier for him to handle at the line will really help Mills and would help any quarterback because I just think it's a more friendly offense for the quarterback to operate. Not that it's vanilla or anything because Pep has a lot of stuff up his sleeve, but it'll be the, the ease of operation will be there for Davis Mills. You know, speaking of difference, Mark, uh, this is Davis Mills' second year in the league after starting 11 games last year. And as you mentioned, he also has a new offensive coordinator in Pep Hamilton. What have you seen in Mills' development from his rookie year until now? I thought the offseason went really well for him, and I thought early in camp I could see that uh, he was a more confident, in-command player. I mean, he was miles ahead of where he was as a rookie, all right? Early on in camp in 2021, Tyrod Taylor is here. Mills is clearly the backup, if that. I mean, they wanted him to have those backup uh, reps so he could get up to speed as quickly as possible because they knew the situation they were in. I think Nick Casario did a great job drafting Mills in the third round. You know, you're kind of buying the bananas before they're ripe, you know? Like, you buy the bananas at the store and they're a little green, but you bring them home and then, you know, in a day or two, they're good to go. And I think that was Mills. You bring Mills here, you let him ripen and develop here instead of in college. You know, Mills came out, so he's going to be somewhere. And, uh, and there, voila, you have in 2020 22, a quarterback that is, you know, I can't say he's good to go like a veteran quarterback who's been around for five, six, seven years. It's not like that with Mills, but at least he had that rookie year under his belt. He had 11 starts last year. The last five went pretty well, and you take it from here. Now, he's got to do it on the field. You know, he's gotten a lot of praise around town, media, national media, whatever. A lot of people are, I don't want to use the word hyping him, but they're giving him a lot of praise and there's a lot of optimism for good reason. But now you got to go out and execute. And I always say this, everybody in this league, and Bill, you know this, everybody's always got to get better, no matter who yes. you are. You know, if you're the number one pick in the draft, great. But you got to get better from there. You were drafted for your potential, not for what you can do on day one. You've got to be able to improve steadily, and he needs to continue to do that. So far, he's done it, so... That needs to continue to progress for him. Well, a big help to the quarterback will be a good running game. And it looks as though the Texans drafted a good running back in the fourth round out of Florida and Damian Pierce. What have you seen from this young man in training camp thus far? All right, so in the preseason games, well, let's just go back to camp. Camp, you could see some things. You know, it's funny. Once you put on the pads in camp, you start to see, okay, maybe this running back looks pretty good. Let's see how this pans out. You know, last year I just didn't see a whole lot of – 
just a whole lot of potential in the running game and training camp. I thought Mark Ingram was going to be pretty good, and he was, but the rest of it just didn't quite come together the way you wanted to see it because I've seen it pretty good around here in the past with guys like Arian Foster and Ben Tate, uh, but this wasn't really happening the way you wanted it to last year. Well, this year, Pierce and friends, especially Pierce, it started to look better in camp. Then in the preseason games, Pierce – participated in three possessions in the preseason games. That's it, three possessions. 86 yards on 11 carries, and he scored a touchdown. They scored as a team on two of those possessions. That was good. So two out of three possessions, you score 86 yards on three possessions. That's unbelievable production for this team. I know it's preseason, but it was a good sign. And, again, now you got to see it translate into regular season success. They were bottom of the league running the football last year. That has to get better. You have nowhere to go but up, and I think it will with Damian Pierce. He could be really good, but, you know, it's a, it's a rookie. You don't want to crown him yet, and you want to see it happen on the field. So let's all watch together on Sunday. We're joined by the voice of the Houston Texans, Mark Vandermeer, sticking with the offense for a couple more. In your assessment, because you kind of in mine, I think Brandon Cooks might be the most underrated receiver in the league. Would you agree with that testament? Oh, I, I love that you said that because I, I use the word underappreciated. I think the football people know. I mean, this guy's been traded for a number one pick twice and a number yep. two pick once. So that shows you the value that he does have. But for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to find a home until now. This is his third season here, uh, and he is a routine thousand-yard guy. Right. And I think that, you know, had he been able to stay in New England, and I know New England's strange, you know, it's hard to, like, stay there long-term for a lot of guys, unless you're a certain quarterback. But it's hard to stay there long-term for a lot of guys. I think he would have been tremendous with Brady over the long haul. I mean, he's a total pro. This guy's a captain on this offense. He and Davis Mills have been elected captains. Uh, Cooks is the kind of player you want on your team. Total team guy um, and makes explosive plays at receiver, can play in the slot, can play outside, can play anywhere and do anything for your team. I love that he's on this squad. And then you have Nico Collins, who's in his second year now. Had some moments last year, and you want to see him take that next step. Former Colt Phillip. Dorsett, he looked good in limited action last year. Some big catches, some chemistry with Mills. Got hurt again. Can't have that. We all know it. You guys know it. If Dorsett stays healthy, he's a good player. So that's the big if that has to come through for him. And there's some other players as well. They just picked up Tyler Johnson from um, Tampa Bay. Uh, he was free. And then you have uh, Chris Moore, who made some plays last year. And I know that he's one of those guys that's kind of looking to find his groove. And I think in camp you could definitely see it. Um, I love stories where guys have been in the league for a few years, get labeled to be a certain way, but then they bust out of that and they take that jump. And I think he can take that jump for this team this year. We'll see how it goes. Now, what do you expect out of uh, O.J. Howard? I know it's you know newly newly to the Texans, but he's a tight end. He's you know a, a former first round pick. Do you expect him to have a pretty big impact? You know, it's hard to say because you're looking at him and you're thinking this guy looks like a mountain. I mean, he <laughs> is a large individual, and you know he's made plays in this league. You know he had the injury issue what two years ago, right. uh, and he all right. So you're with Tampa Bay. 
and you're with Buffalo. Well, those teams are loaded, right? So maybe, just maybe, he could find a home here to be really productive and reach his full potential. And a lot of that is going to hinge on the whole in-concert element of the offense, right? Are you able to run the ball? Is Mills able to get the time to throw it and throw it accurately? Because I think if those are uh, happening, O.J. Howard is going to have a nice season for the Houston Texans. I like the pickup. They were getting a little thin at tight end because of injuries and other issues. Uh, they lost a couple of guys in camp. One of them, a rookie, Tegan Katuriano's on IR. He shouldn't be out that long, but you know, thank goodness IR is now uh, minimum four games right. instead of you know, the season is over. Goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I like IR the way it is now. So hopefully they get Katoriano back because he is a really good-looking player as a rookie, but he needs to play. So we'll see. Well, final thing on the offense. When you look at the offensive line, looks to be essentially a new group outside of Laramie Tunsil and, and Titus Howard. How has that group looked to this point? Yeah, they had Justin Britt last year, but he missed a bunch of time because of an injury. So uh, him at center is a good thing. I mean, he's he's really like sort of the quarterback, as most centers are, the quarterback of the old line. Um, I love Titus at right tackle. He did not play there last year. He needs to be at right tackle. That's his home. That's his spot. I think he can play some left as well, but he's a tackle. And they tried to make guard a lot last year just to give it a shot, and it did not work out the way they needed it to. With he and Laramie on the edges and this Kenyon Green, I don't know if he starts or not. He's not listed number one on the depth chart, but i got a feeling he's going to be seen a lot. They might rotate him. I don't know how they're going to do it. They're not going to show their hand. But this Kenyon Green from Aggieland here in Texas Right. is really something to watch when he's run blocking. In the last preseason game, he was just bowling people over. Now, pass protection could be another issue for him. He's a rookie. He's got to learn. I'm, you guys know this. And you talk to O-linemen, and they often say, well, it took me two or three, maybe four years to figure it out. I'm thinking, listen, we cannot wait to <laughs> see it happen early. Uh, but, you know, so there's going to be some growing pains, you know. And you don't have a quarterback who's going to, you know, run for 80 yards a game here in Davis Mills. He's athletic, but he's not going to do that. So you're going to have to hold up and pass pro. But if you can run the ball, well, obviously that makes things a whole lot easier. Now, Mark, I want to move to the defense. Last year, Jonathan Grenard the t- led the team with eight sacks. In this offseason, they added former Coast defensive lineman Jerry Hughes to the defense. What are their expectations of this defensive line, this defensive front this season? I like the defensive line. In fact, I think the defensive line is the thickest, deepest possession, uh, yeah, position group on this team. And I think that they are going to wreak havoc. They're going to be pretty good. Now, they're a little nicked up right now, which is strange because it felt like they had 17 D linemen on the 90 man roster. And, you know, we do shows every day. We're thinking, I'm sure Lovey Smith wants to keep 15 guys. Lovey just loves these four-man fronts, and he loves not having to send extra people to get pressure on the quarterback. And they did that last year. You know, despite the record and despite the you know total defense statistically last year, they were top third in the league in takeaways, and that's because they get into the backfield. These guys find a way. And you know, we talk about Jerry Hughes and Jonathan Grenard. I don't care who's in the game. They're going to find a way to get back there because the way that Lovey coaches defense. Now, they've got a new defensive line coach in Jacques Césaire who played in this league, and I, I know the players love him. They love to have a guy who played in the league, and relatively recently, really, he has a you know fresh memory of things that happened in the NFL to him. I think that's a big help. Uh, but, but they're going to be effective up front. You know, Malik Collins is a nice player for them. Roy Lopez inside. This Kurt Heinisch they got from Notre Dame, undrafted free agent you know it's funny with these kinds of players because you look at them at OTAs you can't tell much out of pass then training camp starts you're thinking 
I think he's got a shot to make the team. And it got to a point where after the last preseason game, there's no way he's not making this team. And Heinish is on this team and will be heard from. He'll be in that rotation. He's going to play a lot of snaps, I think, and, and make plays. I mean, he's the kind of player inside defensively that can get into the backfield, not only make stops of running backs, but you know, get maybe get to the quarterback. And that's going to be very helpful on a rotational basis. I don't know how they line up to start, uh, but he'll play. Lopez is an athletic oak tree. Um, and on the outside, you know, Obo Okoronkwo, who's from Houston, um, and they got him from the Rams. I know, you know, like the Rams are the Rams, and, and they're loaded too. Obo here is going to be a valuable part of this rotation. So I, I really enjoy watching these four guys play, whoever four is in the game. Now I want to move to the linebackers. Two of the leading tacklers from last year were Camus Gruget-Hill and Christian Kirksey. What will the mm-hmm. Texans need from these two players in order for the, their defense to be successful this year? Well, Kirksey's a captain, and he's their leader. So he's he's green dot guy. And Camus Gruget-Hill uh, is a, a menace out there. I mean, he's a Tasmanian devil. Relentless energy. He knows who he is, right? Yes. He has to play well on special teams, and he has to fly around at linebacker and play with relentless energy. The good thing is they are not shy about rotating players in. So Garrett Walla, who was a little nicked up in camp but really had a good offseason overall, uh, is a second-year player from TCU. They drafted him in 2021. He's going to be seen an awful lot. He wears number 32, so it's like he's not that big, but you know, if he wore 56, he would look bigger. You know how these numbers <laughs> are right now with these uniforms. Like right, 32 yes. is a slimming number to me, and you know, it's like is he a safety? That's a pretty big safety. No, he's a linebacker. He's he's a good one. Um, you know, it's too bad for them that Christian Harris got hurt, who uh, is a draft choice from Alabama from this year, because they really have high hopes for him. But we'll see when they can get him back into the fray. Uh, they really, they really enjoyed um, watching him on tape and, and hope for the very best there. Blake Cashman, a former New York Jet who always had injury problems with that franchise, is here, and he's impossible not to notice. I, and during camp, I don't know how you guys handle it on your show and podcast, but during camp we had this category: impossible not to notice. Well, that was Blake Cashman. I mean, he's making tackles left and right, preseason games, training camp practices, and full pads. And I think he's he's going to be a factor. Uh, they also have this Jake Hansen, an undrafted rookie from Illinois, who played for Lovey at Illinois, uh, who made the team. I mean, that was kind of a surprise, but it really wasn't when you looked at the tape. You know, you just thought, all right, this guy's in on every play. He's got to, you, you look at the ball, he's there. So let's see if he can be a factor in these uh, regular season games. I'm not even sure if he's going to be up or not, but... He's on the squad. I, I like the linebacking crew as well. The front seven to me looks real solid and has some depth. And it'll be tested here because, uh, like I said, they have a couple of guys nicked up on the D-line. A couple more things here with Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans. One of the things we, we haven't mentioned yet is that secondary. They've invested you know, pretty highly in the draft with Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie early in the draft, first and second rounds. What are the expectations out of the rookies? I know it's hard with a rookie year to really, you know, dive into what the expectations are, but they're going to be pretty heavily used. So Jalen Petrie at safety in OTAs, you could see it instantly how he's just one of these team leader types. You know, the Texans had D'Amico Ryans around here for a while. He's now the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, of course. And I remember D'Amico as a rookie in 06 and walking out to offseason practices then and saying, that guy's a total leader. I mean, that that's your quarterback of your defense. Day one, rookie comes in. 
I get uh, the same kind of sense in the secondary from Petrie, how he's a day one leader, stalwart, you know, instant, just add water and he's good to go as a rookie. And Lovey Smith said as much. I mean, he was calling him a starter when camp began. Uh, he might have done it in OTAs, and that's very unusual, especially around here. I mean, we lived through, you know, seven, eight years of Bill O'Brien, and that wasn't happening. You know, he's a, he's a lot more <laughs> careful with how he labels guys. Um, but this is kind of refreshing because Lovey's sort of honest, not sort of, he's honest about things uh, like that. And Petrie is definitely going to help this crew on the back end. Now, Derek Stingley, little, they brought him along slowly. But it's funny, and I don't know how you guys feel. You know, Bill can evaluate an awful lot being a former player. There are two position groups that, until you get into the game, I have trouble evaluating. Offensive linemen, because, yeah, he looks big. looks like he can push people out of the way. And um, cornerbacks, because who knows until you see them play, right? But Stingley, all the football people will tell you, look at his hips. Look how he moves the footwork. It's incredible. Okay, great. We've seen him make plays in practice, preseason games. Great. Now you're going to play 60 minutes of football, and and it's got to happen. But he's got all the tools. He's got the repertoire of moves as a defensive back to make plays, and uh, and I'm eager to see him. Uh, I'll give you a sneaky hot pickup for this team. Maybe it's not that sneaky to the football people. I know Frank Rice probably uh, well aware of this, but Stephen Nelson, the corner they yeah. got from the Eagles, uh, is is definitely helpful. I mean, <laughs> they were not thick at corner last year at all, and now they have Nelson and Stingley. That's really good. Desmond King's going to play. Tavier Thomas, a really good slot corner, is injured right now, but he's not going to be out forever. He'll be back. So uh, I, I think they can be pretty good there. They're not that deep. Uh, but safety, you know, J- Jalen Petrie looks good. And Jonathan Owens, who I know his national notoriety is Simone, Simone Biles. Biles yeah. but he, <laughs> he, de- he deserves to be known as a football player, and he's a starter on this squad. Well, final thing for you. I know that the word rebuild is kind of tough when you're talking about sports, so I, I, I like to kind of throw retooling out there. This roster, you know, it's definitely got some talent, but I don't know if this is their year. What are the expectations for Houston, kind of looking in 2022, but mainly looking into the future? Well, you know, look, I've done all these seasons with the Texans. I can tell you this. Uh, a lot of the media, fans around town, they're like, yeah, if they win seven, that'd be good. Six or seven, great, you know. But even winning six or seven, uh, obviously it's challenging to win any game in this league. And then you're losing, you know, if you lose ten games – that's a journey of losses, you know, however you want to pepper them throughout the 17-game schedule. And people are going to grow impatient because you lost games. If you lose close games, you should have won it. If you lose blowouts, where are you? Why aren't yeah. you competitive? So I think that we're all going to go through the bumpy ride together. There's a lot of potential here. You know, they have a lot. I think they have a lot of games, and I, I hate to call games winnable, but games in which they should really be competitive. The Giants the Bears, the Jaguars twice. They should be competitive in these games. They split with the Titans, the number one seed in the AFC last year, and at home, the last game of the regular season, they had them, not on the ropes, but they had them a little worried in the second half, and had the Texans won that game, the Titans aren't the number one seed. Right. So, uh, and they beat the Chargers last year. Yeah, look at the Colts at the Jags. I don't need to bring that up, do I? Right. So, <laughs> Please you know, don't. This is a strange league. And I just think that there's a lot of potential here for some victories, and they, you know, they got to get over the hump. I mean, I, I always feel like this: this is a league where in the in the fourth quarter, it's about third down. Are you stopping the opponent, 
or on offense, if you're up or down, are you converting? Because if you're down, you got to keep converting to stay in the game. If you're up, you got to keep converting to keep the other team's offense off the field. Third down in the fourth quarter is such a key stat for me. Well, there you go. Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans. We'll see them week one here coming on Sunday, and then we won't see the Texans again until week 18. So we'll see kind of that growth throughout the season. Mark, thank you so much for the time, and enjoy the game on Sunday. Thank you, gentlemen, and go BU. That's right. Go Terriers. You got it. Once again, big thanks to Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, for joining us on Know Your Foe. The regular season gets underway in Houston on Sunday. The Colts will travel there to take on the Texans for the first divisional game, first road opponent of the season, and that kicks off at 1 o'clock Eastern. The Colts will be on the road again next week as they travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. We're going to talk with Mike DiRocco of ESPN for a complete breakdown on the Jags next week. But as we mentioned, it's Sunday, the regular season opener in Houston as the Colts take on the Texans for a divisional battle. For Bill Brooks, I am Casey Valle. This has been Know Your Foe right here on Colts.com. Go Colts! Go Colts!